staying to your church. Build us up for your glory, Lord God. Unify us around the truth of your word. Lord, remove distractions from our minds and our hearts. Help us to recognize who we are to you and who we should be to one another. We pray this in Jesus' strong name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you need an outline, you can raise your hand. The ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of um, the message. Uh, we're continuing in our series, Church Dysfunction. We started chapter 12 last week, and we talked about the master builder. We talked about him knowing what he's doing, him being actively involved in the building up of the church. And in this, in this week's message, I want to be sure to continue to drive home the same reality of the master builder being involved. And so in your outline in the introduction, it says there, Jesus declared that he would build his church upon the rock of the revelation that Peter declared, you are the Christ, that means the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so just to bring us back quickly, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and he asked them the question, he says, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And then, and then um, Peter declares these powerful words and he goes on to tell him the, that God the Father has revealed this to him. This is not something that came from flesh and blood. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church, right? The point is that Jesus is building his church. From that time moving forward, Jesus is in this project of building his church, building his church the way that he desires. Again, in your outline, the mystery of the church, the body of Christ is one that should create in us a sense of awe and wonder, right? I, and, and for those of you that are in your Core Connect life groups, I hope, I pray that you are reading the material and that you are letting it soak in and that you are, uh, that you are coming to understand some truths about the body of Christ that may not have been there. And listen, if you're not in a Core Connect life group, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. If you're, if you're not in a, listen, you should join one, right? I mean, you shouldn't be sitting at home. You should definitely participate, and that way you can grow with the body of Christ the way that you should. But if you miss this round, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna forgive you, hallelujah, that we're a grace community, amen? But I will encourage you, I will encourage you on your own, get the book Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. We have a couple of copies in the office if you want to grab one of those, and that way you can read and you can actually ingest and, and come to understand some of the things that we're learning. But, but one of the things, I, I don't know about you, but for me, not just in those readings, but just over the last few weeks and even before when I preached in chapter 11 and we talked about the body of Christ, I mean, since that time, the Lord has been really stirring within me this understanding of the body of Christ and understanding what it really means to be the church, what it really means to be the body of Christ. I mean, there's such a, a, an amazing mystery that God literally makes us one with him. That God makes us one with Him, and 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 I know that 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 you know might excite you, but but the but the part that is even more mysterious is that He doesn't just make us individually one with Him, but He makes us collectively one with one another and one with Him at the same time. 
And so there's, there's, there's this beautiful mystery that is there that is present for us that we should understand that, man, God is, is building his church. And so that, again, in your outline here, it should, as we look at this mystery, it should help us to see how important we are to God and should be to one another. When we think about the mystery of the body of Christ, that, that Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose again, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to breathe life into the church, the body of Christ. He is building this church. He is, build, he is doing something that is special. And we should see how invaluable we are to him in his building plan. And at the same time, we should see how important one another should be to each other. All of us should have this understanding. Again, as we think about these things, we must recognize how important we are to God's building plan. We. We. Not you not me, we. The reason why this is such a big thing for me is because it is such, it is so ingrained in us. I don't, no, no, no matter what culture you come from, no, no matter where your, your background is what I mean, it, it, if you've been an American for a little while, it is so ingrained in us that we are individuals. It is so ingrained in us that, hey, you know what? Pull up the bootstraps. You got to do it, right? You know, you got to do You have your, 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 your family unit. You need to be concerned with that. We, we no longer have this tribe mentality, right? We no longer have this idea that um, it takes a village, right, to, to, to raise. We, we don't think that way any longer, right? That's not, that's not the way that we are. I mean, think about this. Let's just keep it 100 for a moment. How many of you do not raise your hands, please? But how many of you can say that you know your neighbors intimately? Let me help you to answer the question. How many of you have invited your neighbors into your home for dinner? I, I told you don't raise your hand. Come on now. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, right? I'm trying to drive the point home. Is that the scriptures have to break down this mindset, right? One of the things that, that, that was driven home in, in last week's teaching is Jesus' words to his disciples when he said to them, you will be known by the love you have for one another. All right. So forget your neighbors, right? What about your brothers and sisters in Christ? How many, how many of them have you invited into your home for a meal. Aaron and Michelle invited us this Saturday. We couldn't come. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're trying to live out these truths, right? Aaron's like, I invited you, Bishop. You said no. You, you say you, you too busy for me, right? <laughs> and Troy said he's ready. He's coming, all right? So he's warm up the smoker. But, but I, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to grasp, right? Everybody's like, smoker, we're all going, right? Praise the Lord. Aaron, we're going we're gonna to show you love, Christian love right now, right? 
But, but the seriousness of the, of the scriptures is that we are the body of Christ. And we have to see, as we read the text of scripture, we have to recognize, we have to allow God to strip us of our ideas that we have and to break us free from the mentality that it's just about me and God. It's just about our relationship. It's just about me and him walking together. No, it's about us walking together. It's about us growing in our faith together. It's about us being the body of Christ. We can't do that individually. We can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that just on Sunday mornings, guys. I'm just saying. I know, I, I know, listen, Sunday mornings are extremely important. This time is, is a very important time for us to gather, to worship, to be reminded of who God is, to be reminded of who we are, to be reminded of God's call and commands, to be reminded of the gospel. It's, it's such an important time, but it cannot be the only time you gather around the body of Christ because most of the time you're looking at the back of someone's head. Come on now. You're hearing, but most of the time, one group of people are, are, are singing, leading. One person is communicating at a time, whether it's Pastor Aldo, whether it's myself, whether it's whoever is up here preaching. That can't be the, the only time that we gather as the body because then we're not really being the body. And so I want you to think about this this morning. As we seek to live for God's pleasure, we must assume our role in the body of Christ. This assumes that you're living for God's pleasure. This assumes that that's what your goal is, right? Our, the vision of Corfe Church is to please God in everything that we do, right? To live by faith, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? Uh, Hebrews eleven six. that's our vision verse for our church. We exist because we want to please God. Our desire is to please the Lord. So I'm assuming that you want to please the Lord, that that is the desire of your heart, that that is the longing of your soul, that you want to, you don't just want stuff from God, you don't just want God to bless your life, but you want to live a life that says, I want to please you in everything that I do. That's the assumption, right? And so as you and I, as we seek to live for God's pleasure, we must assume our role in the body of Christ. I like, I like that our role. Not the, not the role you want. The role you've been assigned to. The role God has given you, right? Because we see, and as we look in the text here, we're, we're going to see different ways that people view gifts. But the reality is that we have to be a people who are assuming our role in the body of Christ. We're talking about the gifts, right? So we're not just talking about the part that is very important, which is the fellowship, the konania, the sharing of life. But we're talking about the gifts that God has given each and every one of us that have been given to us to employ in his service in his body. That's what we're talking about. That's what Paul is talking about in chapter 12. He's talking about the importance of us doing what it is that God has called us to do and how we are supposed to do it. If you look at verse 12 really quickly, uh, the apostle Paul starts off here. Again, we went through verses 1 through 11 last week. You can go back and listen to that message for reference, but jumping right in to chapter 12, verse 12, he says, <clears throat> Excuse me, for as the body is one, 
and has many members, but all the members of that one, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Again, there's the mystery, right? The mystery. All of the members, every one of us is part of one body, and so is Christ. Christ is part of that body. We are the body of Christ. We are together, uh, being knit together, molded together. Other, other passages uh, in, the, in the New Testament will, will communicate that. Verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, this is the beautiful thing is that we are the body of Christ because we have been baptized in the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell in you. Minister Hector read that passage of Scripture in Ephesians where it talks about us being sealed by the Holy Spirit. That happens the moment, not, not, not a moment later, right? Not, not some far day down the road, not at a youth camp, not, not, not at some altar call, no, at the moment that you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God came to dwell in us. We now have new life that is operating in us, and we are now, because the Spirit dwells in us, we are the body of Christ. We have been endued by the Spirit. We have been baptized, immersed is what that word means, right? It's, it, God, God immerses us in himself the moment that we come to faith in him makes us his, fills us with his presence, fills us with his power. And then he goes on to say, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. It's not just one, one piece. It's we're one body with many members, but whether you're Jew, whether you're Greek, whether you're slave, whether you're free, those are the different contexts of the people that, were, that made up the church of Corinth. There were people who were Jewish by birth. There were people who were Greeks by birth, and they were now brought together under one spirit, under one umbrella. They were made the body of Christ. People were, were slaves, and some were free, and they made up the body of Christ. And so we have to see each other now. So here's the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me. Say, we, we must see... The need we have been gifted to fill. I want to talk to you today about seeing the need, seeing the need, seeing the need that is there. I remember one day I was, uh, when we were in the other building, the property manager, he came by to check on some stuff, and him and I were having a conversation, and he was telling me about his church that he was part of. And as he was telling me about the church that he, was, that, that he was part of, you know, I was asking him how things were going and stuff like that. And, you know, seeing if he needed an invitation because if he doesn't have a church, he should be invited, right? And so he's telling me about his church. And then he says, yeah, you know, my wife and I were kind of thinking about leaving. And I was like, okay, why? What's going on? And he was like, well, you know, they're, 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 they're nursery, right? Like they, they, they have some, and these are his words, not my words. These are his. He's like, they have some older ladies, you know, that are in there. And they're kind of just like babysitting the kids kind of. And we feel like there should be more that is offered to the kids. And so I was, I was stuck with the dilemma of bragging about how great our kids' ministry is and saying, hey, come on over here. Or, or saying, hey, man, have you thought about the fact that maybe you and your wife could help that kids' ministry? 
Have you had a conversation with the leadership of the church about your concerns with the kids' ministry? I'm like, because maybe if you express your concerns to them, they may have some answers. They may not have the people that are willing to give their time. They may not even realize, I mean, because the truth is, unless you get some training, you think you're just a high-profile babysitter over there. Hello. And you don't even get paid, glory to God. Amen. See, y'all ain't laughing because you don't serve over there. But go on ahead and serve a little bit, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll be like, amen, Bishop. So he was like, all right, well, you know, I'll think about that. And so a month, a month or so later, he comes back and, you know, checking on something else, and we're having a conversation. I'm like, hey, man, so how's the church thing going? He's like, you know, I took your advice. He's like, and my wife and I, we talked to the leadership, and the leadership asked us if we would step in, and now we're leading within the kids' ministry, and the kids' ministry is flourishing, and amen, praise the Lord. I was like, amen. Now, let me tell you about our kids' ministry. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> now you got them set up, now leave. No, no, you, the, the, the point was, right, see the need that's there, right? I, I would assume, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume this, right? I'm going to assume that when you walk into the church, when you've been around for a little while, you start to see things that are missing. You start to see stuff that is, is not there. You wonder why that's not happening. You wonder why this is not happening. Have you ever thought just for a moment, maybe I'm seeing what's not there so I can do it? You know what the issue is? The issue is we see what's not there and we want someone else to do it. And usually what happens is you, 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 know, you, you email or you text, you know, one of the leaders and like, hey, I noticed this. I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> you know, I think this would be a great, really, you think that's a great idea? Would you like to lead that? See, that's when things hit the brakes. So we have to see the needs that are there, right? So the first thing is we must see the need we have been gifted to fill. Verses 15 to verse 19. Look what the apostle Paul writes here. He says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So the Apostle Paul is painting a picture of the way that it seems like some people in the church of Corinth were viewing themselves. Like they don't matter. I, well, hey, you know, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a teacher, so I don't really matter. I'm not a singer or a musician, so I don't really matter. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not an usher, so I don't really matter. You know, I'm not, wait, wait a second, but, but, but does that, is that true? No, it's not true. See, here's the thing I want you to realize. Each of us is a vital component. This is what I think Paul is trying to communicate. Each of us is a vital component to what God is building. But I want you to realize something. The enemy is doing everything he can to hinder the process. Are you here? The enemy is doing everything he can to hinder the process. His greatest attack, listen to me now, his greatest attack from the garden until now is to get us to question or to doubt the word of God. That's the first thing he wants to do. And on par with that, he wants to divide us. That's what he wants to do. 
That's what he desires to do, is to make us question God's word. So you heard God's word preached last week. You heard about these gifts. You didn't, none of those gifts that were mentioned there resonated with you in a big way. And so you're like, well, I must not be gifted. I must not have a gift, right? And then some of you must, you know, you, you, you may have been raised in a tradition where if you didn't manifest certain gifts, you, you weren't like a full Christian. I'm just saying. If you, if you didn't have this one gift, right, if you didn't, if, listen, if you didn't have, if you didn't speak in tongues, right, some, this is some of our backgrounds, right, if you didn't speak in tongues, you're missing something. But is that in the scriptures? Is that what the Bible teaches? And then you wonder why people walk around and they're like, I don't have a gift. Wait a second. What do you mean you don't have a gift? So God is a liar then? No, Satan is a liar. He is the deceiver. He is the one who wants us to question the very word of God. And then he wants to keep us divided. So we're not united. We're not walking the way that God wants us to walk. Now, here's something that I think, and I, I want to share this. This is, this is kind of an aside, but I want you to see. Remember, I talked about the master builder is building, right? What is he building? So the first thing we talked about, Jesus said he's building the church. But one of the things I want you to notice is one of the phenomena of the upper room of outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was this. It was God undoing the division of, of the Tower of Babel. So when you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 11, the people were building this tower to heaven. They were going to make a name for themselves. At that point, everybody spoke the same language, and then God is like, hold up, these people done lost their mind. And he comes down, and he confuses their languages. And so now we were get building this thing, talking the same language, and all of a sudden you were speaking in Spanish, you were speaking in Hebrew, you were speaking in Greek. I don't, I'm just making this up. But all, all that said, the, vo the, 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 the tongues were confused. And so now a people who were united and able to do anything, because that's what God said, now all of a sudden they're divided. But what does God do? He does a miraculous thing. In the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes down, and what does the Scripture say? What, 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 the scriptures, what the Scripture says is that the Spirit of God comes upon each of the people that were in that upper room. The Holy Spirit comes and gives them the ability to speak in tongues. And, and what, what happens, the people who are outside, not the people inside, the people that are inside don't understand probably what is being said. The people on the outside are hearing the praises of God in their languages. So what does God do? In the Tower of Babel, he divides them and he, and he confuses their language. In the upper room, he gives them tongues to do what? To bring praises to God, to bring unity. To now unify what's been broken, but how are you going to be unified? You're not going to be unified just by language. You're going to be unified by the spirit that you were baptized in. So now we're all baptized in the Spirit. We're brought together. The second thing that is another uh, important thing for us to realize is the definite transfer of the glory from the Old Covenant temple to the New Covenant temple. And the Old Covenant, whenever they did exactly what God said, what did God do? God would come down in a cloud of fire in the temple. Any time that they, that they had finished doing something the way that God said for them to do it, he would come down in a cloud. And what did the scriptures say? The scriptures said that the priest couldn't even minister because the glory of God was so great. But you know what he does here in the upper room? He, he moves that glory from a building to another building. The only thing is, it's not a physical building. It's a building of people that he moves his glory to. 
And so we are supposed to be the ones who carry his glory. And so here's what I want you to realize just thinking about going back to the text here. Now, this is what God does. He is building his church. He's unifying his church. He's giving his church the ability to be one. He's filling his church with his spirit for what? So that way the church can be the manifestation. I said it last week. So we can be the display of God's glory in the earth. So that's what he does. And then you have these questions here that the apostle Paul brings. If the foot says that I'm not this, then I'm not part of the body. Here's what I want you to grasp. If the enemy can convince you that you are, that you are of no value to the body, he wins. If the enemy can convince you that you have not been gifted, he wins. If he can get you to compare yourself to others, he has won. Here's what we do. We look at other people and we say, man, that person is gifted. I, I, I have nothing to offer in comparison to them. Stop comparing yourself to them. Stop allowing the enemy to lie to you and make you think, oh, well, I don't have those gifts, so I must not be worth anything. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Again, as we look at the diversity of gifts given, we talked about those last week, and there are more, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. And I think I said this last week. I don't know if I said this, but someone asked me a long time ago, uh, and when I say a long time ago, it was probably last year sometime, but it was a long time before I preached this message. And they asked me a question, and I had a, and I had a different answer then than I have now. They said, do you think that there are gifts that are not written in the Scriptures? And at first, my answer to them was, no, I think if it's written in the Scriptures, then we got to stick to that. But then as I've studied this, I'm like, well, if Paul wasn't being exhaustive, that would mean that God could give gifts that maybe are not written out in these scriptures. The test of those gifts is do they bring glory to God and do they edify the church? Maybe God has given you something that is maybe not in this list here and it's not so clean right, right there for you, but he has gifted you in a way, and maybe, may, maybe he's gifted you, he's given you gifts that are here, they're just not the shiny ones. Right? And so again, it's important for us to look at, okay, God has given a diversity of gift, gifts, and the purpose of those gifts is to bring unity to us as we seek to build each other up and bring glory to God. So here's, so here's the question for some of you in this room, some of you listening online, have you ever felt that you don't matter? Have you ever felt like your presence in the church doesn't really matter? You being, you being part of, of the church, you being present doesn't really matter. Have you ever, if you have ever felt like that, I want you to take courage. God doesn't make any mistakes. God does not make any mistakes. And not only are you not a mistake, but you have been gifted and positioned in the body of Christ for his pleasure. Look at verse 18. I love verse 18. If you like highlighting in your Bible, you should highlight this verse. I love this. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I love that. He didn't make a mistake. He positioned you, he gifted you for the, for the position, for the role that he has for you. Don't worry about the other roles, worry about yours. Don't, don't worry about whether they're fulfilling theirs, are you fulfilling yours? Are you utilizing the gifts that God has given you? 
Are you utilizing, I mean, at minimum you got one. Are you utilizing them for his glory? Are you utilizing them in order to build the body? Listen, I want you to know that you are not a mistake. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must see the need we have for others. You see, there's one group of people in the church that think that they are not needed. There's one group of people in the church, and again, these are the Apostle Paul's words, not mine. There's one group that feels like they, they, they don't matter. Them being or not being doesn't make a difference. But then there's another group in the church that they just feel like they don't need anybody else. They don't, they, you're, you're, you're not necessary to me. You, I, you don't believe me? Let's read, let's, let, let's read the Apostle Paul's words, not mine. Verse 20, he says, but now indeed there are many members and yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the foot, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You hear those words? So, you know, there's some people like, Psh, I don't need you. You're, you're not necessary. I don't, I'm good. Me and Jesus are okay. We, I, I'm, I'm all right, you know. But wait a second. That's, that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that we're all necessary. See, while comparison can lead to a feeling of inferiority, which is the other one we described, equally dangerous is when it leads to a superiority complex. And see, and see here's what happened. It seems in, in Corinth, some with the shinier gifts or with the right pedigree, you know, they were Jewish, or the right social status, they were free men. And, and you look at other, other passages or even the right gender, they felt more significant than others. There's a problem, right? We, we, we shouldn't feel more. I love what Tony Evans said. I was reading his, his, uh, his um, commentary on this actually this morning uh, as I was getting ready here. And he said this. He says, often we place too much emphasis on the members and ministries that are visible. But this wrongly equates visibility with value. Hmm. Makes us think, oh, you know what? I see them. I see their importance, right? And so all of a sudden, and then we start to feel like we're important. We, we start to feel like, yeah, well, we really matter, you know, and, and, and others not so much. And, but wait a second, we, we're not supposed to have that mindset. Again, we're, we're supposed to have love. But see, here, here is the beauty of the gospel. It levels the playing field. You know what the gospel does? It humbles the elite and it elevates the insignificant. I love that. The gospel shows us that everyone, you think you're elite? Well, guess what? You still need Jesus. Hello. And not only do you need Jesus, but you need his body because he said what? He said, you are the body of Christ. We'll get to that in the next point here. You are the body of Christ. But the gospel is that we are all sinners, that we are all separated from God, and that no matter how good we are, how gifted we are, we are reminded that it is only by the grace of God, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because Jesus died to save sinners like you and I, that is the only reason why we are worthy of anything. Hello. Because other than that, we're just worthy of wrath. That's the only thing that we're worthy of. That's the only thing that we earn, no matter how good we think we are by ourselves. And then for those who feel like they are insignificant, like they don't matter, they weren't born into the right family, they don't have the right things to offer, guess what? The gospel comes and say, you are important. 
And Jesus redeems us all and brings us into this family of his. And what should be the result of this understanding of the level playing field? The result is to be that we value one another from a gospel perspective, fighting division and caring for one another. So the apostle goes on, and he says here, he continues on. He talks about the eyes and and, and them and, and the weaker parts being necessary. And those members of the body, verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. That we should have the same care for one another. See, when we honor one another biblically, like our natural bodies, the mourning of others matters to us, and the honor of others belongs to us. See, when, 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 when a part of your body, right, I mean, you know, you, most of you probably don't want anybody to see your pinky toe. Come on now. Most of you. Some of you are like, Yo, I got cute feet, so you can check them out. But anyway. But most people, you know, they're like, you, you don't need to be seeing my feet, you know, whatever. And you, you take special time to make sure that nobody's seeing all that, right? And, and it may seem like it's unimportant, but go on ahead and stub that toe. Come on now. And you will see how important that pinky toe is. That pinky toe will put you out. Hello. That little small part of your body that doesn't matter. Look, someone might be able to punch you in the face and you get through that. You stub that pinky toe, you're falling. Hello. You hit it right. I mean, you're in trouble, right? I mean, but, but it seems insignificant. It seems like it doesn't matter. It seems like it's not an important part. Of, and yet, it is a very important part of the body. So what is supposed to happen to us? We are supposed to care one for the other. We are, we, we, we've been gifted the way that we have been gifted so there is no division in the body. So we will care one for the other. So we will love one. So we will mourn with those who are mourning, those who are hurting, those who are broken. That we feel that. But you know what? Here's the thing. You will never know of the mourning and the brokenness of people if you're not in community with them, if you're not in relationship with them, if you're on your own island, you and Jesus, hello? Nobody knows the brokenness that is happening. And nobody can really rejoice with you either when God blesses you, when God does great things in your life. And we're supposed to experience all of those things together as the body of Christ, that we should care for one another, that we should care for one another. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this, say, we must see the need to seek unity amidst diversity. We must see the need to seek unity amidst diversity. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I want, you, I want you to hear those words. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ. Think of Corinth for a moment as they are there receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul. 
And there is the reading of the text. And as the Apostle Paul is reading this, you know how it is. You know, you know how we hear with our elbows sometimes, right? You know, we, you, you need to hear that, right? So you were just sitting down and you were hearing things that someone else needed to hear. And maybe you needed to hear, and, and, and that's, that's, that's good. But then the, the, the reader, whoever's reading this, gets to the point where he says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. He's telling the church of Corinth, you're the body of Christ. Now, the one thing, the reason why we're looking at Corinth is because Corinth is an, is an especially gifted church. They're a very gifted church, but they're also an especially troubled church. Hello. They're a church that, man, some people are like, I would want to be part of that church. I mean, they got all the gifts flowing over there. I mean, they're overflowing. But when we get chapter 14, you're going to see the apostle Paul is like, hit the brakes, slow down. This is how you're supposed to operate in this. This is what order looks like in the midst of that. We're going to see that. So this is a great place. But at the, and, and simultaneously, with all of this seeming good stuff from the Lord, they were a troubled church. And here, I want to read this to you because, man, this messed me up as I was studying for this. And I'm going to encourage you to read a book. It's by D.A. Carson. Um, It is called Showing the Spirit. It's a commentary on chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is probably one of my favorite uh, theological books that I have ever read. It's so well-researched and so balanced. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know even where D.A. Carson really lands personally on the gifts of the Spirit. All I know is that he's done a phenomenal job showing the truth. And here's what he says. I want you to, I'm going to read this quote. It's, it's a lengthy quote, so just stick with me. No Christian is to think in individualistic terms, but in terms of the body. Where this attitude dominates the believers, there can no longer be any place for spiritual one-upmanship, self-promotion, or an unbalanced stress of select gifts. And now he's going to conclude uh, what he's, he's writing on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's going to conclude thoughts from chapter um, 12, verse 27 to verse 30. And so he's going to specifically talk about verse 27. As if the metaphor were not already clear enough, Paul spells it out yet once more. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You and body of Christ are the equivalents of church. Indeed, in this context, the Corinthian church. Now hear me, listen to this. In the New Testament, characteristically, each local church is not a part of the whole body or the whole church, but simply the church. The outcropping of the church or the exemplar of the church in any particular place. Now hear me. So also with Paul's language about the body. Paul does not mean that each congregation is a part of the body of Christ or a body of Christ. Each congregation, each church is the body of Christ. Each local church if I may put it this way, is the exemplification of the church. The people of God in any place are the people of God. The church, not simply a part of the people of God. And it is in the church that God has appointed various spiritual gifts. So let let me, let, let, let me summarize what I just read for you. Each congregation must view themselves as the body of Christ, missing nothing except each other's absence. Because here's what happens, and listen, this messed me up when I read this, but it is so true. 
Paul did not write to the church of Corinth and say, you are a part of the body of Christ. That isn't what he said. He said, you are the body of Christ. God has positioned and gifted each of you in this congregation to be the display, to be the edification, to be the love, to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, to be the expression of Christ. Here's why this is so important. Because if we don't see ourselves as the body of Christ, we think we're missing something. We need to go to the church of Ephesus, and here I'm talking about Corinth. Well, we need to go to Ephesus to get some apostles. We need to go to Colossae to get some prophets. We need to go to Crete to get some teachers. No, no, no. Hold on a second. You are the body of Christ. If we believe this, now listen, I don't want you to mishear what I'm saying. We are for sure a part of the larger body of Christ. Amen? But what I'm saying is we have to see ourselves as the body of Christ. That God has deposited his gifts inside of each of us so we can grow the way that he wills. He's put it inside of you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's given the church, the body of Christ, core faith? Hello. Again, I don't, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to mishear me. I'm all about unity in the community. I'm all about bringing unity to the body. The reason why we're doing Lift Up Oviedo is because I want the body of Christ on a larger scale to gather together and worship the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I'm not doing it because I feel like I'm missing something. I want to do that because the world needs to see a picture of a unified church. Again, we are the body of Christ. So what does the Apostle Paul go on to say? Continuing on verse 28, he says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, 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 Helps. You understand, serving is a spiritual gift. I hear people, right? They they offer they offer teaching, right? There, there's one group of people that I that that I like, um, and they're offering an online training. In, in the spiritual gifts because they want to help people grow in their utilization of the spiritual gifts. And I'm like, that's great. But how do you, how do you train them in helps? How do you train them to manifest helps? Because we want to train everyone on the word of knowledge. We want to train everybody on the word of wisdom. We want to train everybody in tongues. We want to train everybody in the interpretation of tongues. We want to train everybody in, in, in the discerning of spirits. But, but, but what about helps? What about, that? what about serving? That is a supernatural gift. That is a spiritual gift that is given by God, that has been appointed in the church, that when it is missing, there is a problem. See, most people don't think about that as a supernatural gift. I can almost assure you, and I'm about to go through this, through this training just so I can see how they deal with the gifts, like this, these other gifts. Are they just dealing with certain gifts and the developing of those? Because then again, it makes people think, I don't have any gifts. The devil is a liar. 
Your gift may not be shiny. Your gift may not be one that's up in front. Your gift may not be like, you know, he first appoints apostles. He second appoints prophets. He third appoints teachers. Then he does miracles, right? Wait a second. What is he saying? Is he saying that they're of more importance? I don't think that that's what the apostle Paul is trying to say. I think what he is saying is that categorically they have been there and it's chronological. First he appoints apostles. Why? Because they were the foundation layers for the church. Hello. They were the one. The, the, the Ephesians says we are built upon what? The foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The, the first ones who were appointed were the apostles. Apostles, what, what I mean by apostles is I mean the 12 apostles minus one who killed himself, one who was added, and then a 13th who had an encounter with God. There are 13 capital A apostles who God utilized in order to write the text of Scripture, in order to build the church, to lay the foundation, to expound the old covenant so we would know where Jesus is seen in the pages of the old covenant. That, 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 that's the, the apostles' work. Now, there may, now, now look, I'm going to say there may be some lowercase apostles in our day because I don't think that the gift is gone, but what I, it's changed. It's not the same. Hello. There, there, there's nobody who has the same authority as God's word. And so again, he, he appoints first Apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers to instruct. And so when I, when I think about that, while each member of the body is of equal value, some parts of the body you can live without, right? Like if you chop your foot off, you can live without it. You're just going to limp. You, lo you lose a limb, right? You I mean, you, you can still live. It, it's, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But, but if, I, if, if I pull your heart out, we incapacitate your brain. I mean, it's a wrap. There's certain parts of the body, right? The, the, we can't be the church without the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We can't be the church without, so again, we, we have to see that priority, the, the priority that is given to some gifts, again, I want to reiterate this, does not indicate irrelevance of any gift or insignificance of any part of the body. Every one of us is important. Every one of us has significance. And so he goes on, he asks this question, he said, are all apostles, are all prophets? So here, here's what I want you to do with me real quick. When I ask the question, I want you to shout no, okay, you ready? Here we go. Are all apostles? That wasn't a shout. Are all prophets? No. There you go. That's better. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. no. That's the way the Greek is written, by the way. And so that way, it will be emphatic. It is, it is rhetorical. But the answer will be no. Not everyone's an apostle. Not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone's a, a worker of miracles. Not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone interprets tongues. Not everyone does those things. But he goes on and he says this, and I'm wrapping up. He says, but the earnest, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. We'll get into chapter 13 next week, the more excellent way of love. But earnestly desire the best gifts. So this is the Apostle Paul's exhortation to the church of Corinth. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of the list of gifts that I've given you, you should desire. There is nothing wrong. Hear me now. There is nothing wrong with desiring the best gifts. 
The question is, what is the best gifts? Or what are the best gifts? What is the best gift? Well, first of all, I want you to realize in regard to spiritual gifts, our desires should not just be for gifts, but we should earnestly desire the greatest or the best gift. That means the most useful, not the shiniest. Are you here? We should desire the most useful gifts to the body. And that may simply be the ones that you think are missing. Hello. That may be the most useful. So here's what I think for our context. We need a paradigm shift. Instead of asking for the gifts we want, you should ask God to give the gifts we need. Not the one that I want so I can feel spiritual, but the one that is needed that will build the body. That's where you and I should be pursuing God. But you know what? This only happens. This only happens when our hearts are governed by the love of God. See, the reason why the Apostle Paul goes into chapter 13 is because he's trying to show them what should be the motivation for everything that they're pursuing. Why, why, why do you want to speak in tongues? Why do you want to prophesy? Why do you want a word of knowledge? Why do you want the discerning of spirits? Why do you want faith? Why don't you want the gift of administration? Why don't you want the gift of service? Think about that. Do we, do we want the gift that is the most important to the body? But our hearts have to be governed by love. They have to be dominated by love. And so that's the question, right, that we have to ask ourselves. Man, is my heart dominated by love? Have I experienced the life-changing gospel to the degree that, man, everything I do, I want to do it for his pleasure. I want to live for his pleasure. I want to assume my role in the body of Christ because I want to be part of what God is doing. I don't want the gifts that I want. I want the gifts that the body needs. Hmm. So my closing questions are these. Do you see the need for your gifts? The gifts of others for unity amidst diversity, do you see the need? Do you see the fact that, man, you are necessary? Do you see the fact that, man, there's others, I need them? Do you see how important it is to seek unity amidst diversity? Do you see? I mean, do we see that? We have to ask ourselves those questions. Listen, I mean, if you're saying no to these, if you're saying, nah, I don't see the, that, that I'm needed at all, then, 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 man, right now, ask the Lord, God, forgive me. Give me the right heart. Give me the right mindset. If you don't see the need of others in your life, you need to, God, forgive me for devaluing what you value so much, for devaluing the thing you died for, the people you died for, the ones that you gave your life for. Forgive me for that. If you don't see the need to pursue unity amidst diversity, then that's problematic. We should seek to be unified. Not, we're not all going to be the same. We're, we, should, we can't all have the same gift, right? Because if we're all a nose, we're just all nosy. Hello. Hmm. But we want to have the diversity that's there. And God, God, God glories in diversity. And so my, my last question here is, have you assumed your role in the body of Christ? 
Have you assumed your role in the body of Christ? If you haven't assumed your role, if you're not serving at some capacity, if you're not, if you're not serving with the body, if you're not using your gifts in the body of Christ on some level, then I call you today, Lord, ask the Lord to, to, to show you where you need to serve and talk to somebody, myself, Pastor Aldo, someone in, in leadership where you know that you should be serving so that way you can serve the way that God desires. Amen? So I'll stand on our feet. Let's pray together. Let's ask you to bow your heads right where you're at. Hallelujah. Jesus, we are grateful to you for the abundance of your love, for the abundance of your mercy. We are grateful for all that you have done for us, all that you are doing in us, God, and we thank you today for the, the mystery of your body that we get to be part of. Thank you today, Lord God, that whether we realize it or not, we are important to the body because you have positioned us exactly where you want us to be. It's your pleasure. You've done that. And so we rejoice in that today. Lord, I pray for my brothers, my sisters that feel insignificant, that feel like they don't matter, that feel like they have nothing to offer. Lord, I pray that you would break that stronghold in their mind. I pray that you would pull down those lies of the wicked one. I pray that you would even in this moment show them where you have gifted them and how you have gifted them. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us all to see how important the other is to us. Help us to see how invaluable being part of your body is, God. Lord, remove pride from our hearts and our minds. Whatever has divided us, whatever has separated us, God, remove it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the one in this place or online that doesn't know you, God, that hasn't put their faith in you. I pray that today that they would humble themselves before you. That today that they would cry out to you, God. That today that they would ask you, Lord God, to save them from their sin. That today that they would ask you to deliver them from the strongholds of the enemy. That they would cry out to you to fill them with your spirit. And that they would begin to live a life for your glory and for your honor. Move them forward in you, my God. Lord, we thank you for this today, Lord God. And I pray, Father, for us that we would recognize that we are, that we are the body of Christ. We thank you today, Lord, for this. We give you all praise. We ask you this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. He's worthy of our praise. You can be seated for a moment as we prepare to partake of communion.